Hope Center. Hope Center. Hope Center. Hope Center. Hope Center. Hope Center. Is love. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Book of John, chapter 15. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 8. Ah, that, feels, that feels better now. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Father, we've, we've been in prayer even prior to this gathering. We've been praying all throughout this worship time, and we're continuing to pray. God, we, I ask you that you would give a custom-tailored word to every need. I thank you, O oh God, for your word. I pray that you will use me as a vessel, as an instrument in your hands. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I thank you, my God, for your word in Jesus' name. John 15, 1, 8, the word of the Lord declares, I'll be reading from the NIV, and then I'll be going to another translation, ESV, so I'll be going through different translations for the different wordings. Uh, but follow me here. I'm primarily reading from the NIV. It says, I am the true vine. So that means, that entails, is it all right, by the way, if I take the slow walk? I've been doing it the last couple weeks and I, I wanna continue in that vein and in that flow. I am the true vine, meaning that there are false vines. Okay, so he, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he had to place an emphasis. It is said by scholars that that he was in front of the gold, of golden gate, meaning that represented Israel. So he's sharing these words and he's giving his final instructions. John chapter 14, he's explaining the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, await the promise of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive another comforter. So he's given instructions to his disciples because he's preparing them for his death. He knows what's coming, burial and resurrection. But of course, they did not quite grasp that, though he had been teaching him that. So he's giving his final teachings, if you will. And one of the final teachings we find here in John chapter 15, where he's explaining that even in his absence, remember where you're supposed to be rooted or who you're supposed to be rooted in. He said, I am the true vine. We spoke about no root, no fruit last week. So this is probably no root, no fruit part two slash what hurt me helped me. He said, I'm the true vine, and here it is. My father, I, I, I know, t listen, I'm breaking all my, all my preaching protocols for those that are my students in Preacher's Huddle. I know y'all waiting for the introduction, presentation, application, culmination, okay? And I'm, I'm breaking, I'm bre I'll let you know up front, I'm breaking homiletical rules today, so just let me flow. Someone say flow. Okay. My father is the gardener. Other translations say the vine dresser. The gardener. <laughs> Here it is. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit or be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here it is. Remain in me. This is one of my favorite passages. And I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am, verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Huh? Nothing. Some things? Nothing. Ah, nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Oh, I don't know if you've read this. Pay close attention to this. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. I'm going to give you a word that will have all your prayers answered in 2021. I'm not making this up. It's right here. It says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Another translation says proving showing evidence that you are my disciples. People of God, I want to let you know that pain without context is suffering. That's good. That's good. But pain with purpose is growth. That's so good. <laughs> I throw it, I throw it again for you for those that are pain without context is suffering. But pain attached to purpose brings growth. If you see someone limping, you will feel bad for them because it's bad. But if you ask them the context, why are you limping? And they say, because I was working out yesterday. It was leg day. Then what was bad, because you have context, now you understand it's good. I'm helping you. Staying up all night and going to work the next day or hopping on the Zoom with, with, uh, what do they call these things? Ojeras in English? Bags. Bags. You know, I'm doing Espanol now. So my my English and Spanish is not very good looking. No se ve muy bien. (laughs) Soon I'm going to be busting out. We, we, yo me pel. Pastor Sergio, just sweet nom de Dios. Y'all gonna be like, what the world? <laughs> so imagine showing up, you're on the Zoom call and your, your coworkers see bangs, and, and they'll say, that's a bad thing. Are you okay? But you say, I was up studying. See, there are things that are painful, but are necessary for growth. But when we suffer because of the decisions we make, That's called pain without context. And pain is inevitable. We will all go through pain. But what you choose to do with it or what you allow God to do through your pain will bring context and purpose to it. Okay. Y'all not believing me? Let's go Bible. Genesis chapter 37. There's a narrative in Genesis 37 if you're taking notes all the way to chapter 50. You know the story. Joseph was a dreamer. But because of a dream that Joseph had, his brothers rejected him. That's bad. His brothers sold him into slavery. That's painful. 
Not only that, but he was accused multiple times. He was up in the jail, falsely accused. There were people that promised to help him and take him out of that jail, but they forgot about him. So he was abused. He was rejected. He was forgotten. He was looked over. That's painful. But then in Genesis chapter 50, we see context. He told his brothers who had rejected him previously, you meant it for evil. But what seemed to be bad turned out to be good because the bad catapulted me. The pain pushed me into my purpose because had I not been sold into slavery, had I not been thrown into a pit, had I not been forgotten, had I not been looked over, had I not been falsely accused, I would not be a governor of the land and giving y'all food. So what was painful with context turned out to be used for good. Jesus had, come on, let's go there. Jesus had his disciples. He had the beloved disciple that was John would lean up against him. He had Peter that was his ride or die, OG, triple OG, would cut people's ear off, would say, Lord, is that you? I'll come. Lord, is that you? You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Hey, hey, man, I'm talking about this man, powerful. Love Jesus, broken, but love Jesus. But yet Jesus had a Judas. The greatest teacher, the greatest pastor, the greatest apostle, the greatest evangelist, the greatest prophet still had betrayal. But But he knew that Judas was necessary so that he could be catapulted and go to his place of purpose. Because Judas had to betray him in order for him to be apprehended and go to the cross. That's why he said, what you are needing to do, he said, do it quickly. (laughs) Can I go King James? What thou is doeth, he said, do it quickly. He said, it's painful, but I know that this is necessary. Because pain without context is suffering. But pain with context brings fruit. Jonah needed the big fish. Let's go there. (laughs) Being in a big fish, people say it was a whale. We don't know. It just says big fish in the scripture. (laughs) For three days. In that pit, if you will. But the thing that was painful, that caused loneliness, that I'm sure caused questioning, is the very thing that God used to transport him quickly to his place of purpose. (laughs) The thing about pain, I want to give a different context to it. Because I want to be truthful. I know that... um, I know that people are now preaching a gospel without pain, but I got to tell the truth. I know, I know you're hearing gospels, <laughs> no pain, but yet we learned coming up in gym class, no pain, no gain. <laughs> if you were an athlete, your coach told you, 
If there's no pain, there's no gain. Even they understood that. That pain with context and purpose produces fruit. I want to shed a different light on it because there are people that are currently experiencing some pain and they believe it's suffering, but I want to let you know that it's actually growing pains. A baby when it's, when it's born and then it's being stretched or developed over time, it's painful. You ever had a baby's teeth growing out? It's painful, but it's necessary. You ever put a baby on his tummy for tummy time? And they hate it, boy. They start screaming because they feel like they're dying. But you know it's necessary for your motor skills. And some people believe that what you're enduring is meant for simply suffering without purpose. But I want to let you know, baby, what you're enduring, if I can speak prophetically, is simply growing pains. If you don't understand pain, you will never fully understand joy. Because if you just experience happiness all the time, then you will never know the difference. But it is, in fact, pain that allows you to value joy. It is pain that, that connects us to people. It hasn't happened to you that, that the very thing that was painful in your life was the very thing that God used to connect you with somebody? Because you had a conversation with somebody, and in fact, maybe you hadn't shared that part of your testimony, but you're having a conversation with somebody who's broken in need of answers, and they're saying, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, I thought I was the only one that went through that. Because our pain can connect us to people. See, I always say our strengths impress people, but it is our vulnerability that connects us to people. If you are just showing strength, you will always impress us. But if we never see vulnerability, we will never connect. So when you endure pain, it gives you the ability to connect with someone that otherwise you wouldn't be able to connect to. Pain captures your attention. You ever been in pain, headache? Leg ache, this ache, this ache. Boy, it will stop you dead in your tracks. You'll pay attention. You'll be trying to keep on going, but it will stop you. Yeah. There are moments in life where we are just, we are just on the go. Mm -hmm. And we need to experience a Jacob wrestling with the angel. Yeah. To, eh, to stop us dead in our tracks. He wrestled with the angel all night. And what did the angel do? Dislocate his hip. Yeah. So that he'll walk with a limp and remember. <laughs> Haven't you ever gone through a season where, boy, that was painful. God, why? And then when you endured the pain and you found the context, you said, ah, now I know why. So even in Jesus, you will experience but there's purpose connected to it. He's teaching his disciples here. When I'm gone, you've got to stay rooted in me. The reason why he was telling these words and theologians and scholars say that he was at the golden gate that represented, that represented 
Israel, according to Isaiah chapter 5 and according to Jeremiah chapter 2 and even Psalm chapter 80, the reason why he was telling them is because he was saying, listen, don't even be rooted in a nation or a political party. He said, be rooted in me first. That's why he was saying, I am the true vine. <laughs> See, because some of us as believers were rooted in a nation or a political party or our culture. But that's why he said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this He said, I am the true vine, meaning that there are false vines. You've got, to, you've got to be planted. You've got to be rooted in me. Here it is. Those that do not bear fruit, I take them away. The beautiful thing about our God is that he's so gracious. Yes. Because as you study this term, take away, you would think, oh, my Jesus. Oh, he just takes them away. Actually, this has to do a lot with a gardener or a vine dresser or someone that understands pruning. That if something is not bearing fruit, by taking away, it simply means lifting it up so that it could get more sun. So when it says take away, he's saying, okay, this one is bearing fruit. This is not. This one needs a little more help. <laughs> so he says, here it is. That's, uh, my goodness, we got Espanol. I got I to gotta, I gotta move on. I got to move on. Verse one through three, right? It says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts every branch that in me bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Someone say prunes. Mm. Prunes is a term that means to cleanse, to take away. And then it says, so that it will be even more fruitful. Here it is, verse three. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So that's letting us understand that the very thing that cleanses us is prune and prunes us is the word of God. When a gardener is getting ready to prune, when a gardener is getting ready to cleanse, it understands that there are things that it has to remove or pull away. The word of God, here it is, sometimes is painful. Can I keep it real? The word of God sometimes will cut you. But the same word that cuts will also heal you. That's why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active twofold, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's letting us know that the very word that can cut us is the very word that can heal us. For he is the master surgeon. And even a gardener understands that in order for the fruit to bear even more fruit or for it to be healthy, it has to use, the gardener has to use clean, sharp tools to disinfect and take away and pull away. So can I tell you that there will be moments where the word of God will come and it will confront you with truth. Yes. The word of God will challenge your attitude. Let's go there. Yes. The word of God will challenge your behavior. The word of God will cut you in places that you did not want to be cut. Has it not happened that you're reading the word of God and you say, oh, God, I didn't know. I, why am I feeling convicted about this? Because it's meant to penetrate. It's meant to cut. It's meant to cleanse. It's meant to renew. It's meant to transform. And when you and when you and when you allow the word of God 
to get inside of you. Not only are you getting in the word, but allowing the word to get inside of you. That word will begin to cut you. That word will begin to penetrate your soul. That word will begin to affect your mindset. That word will cause you to speak differently. That word will cause you to behave differently. That word will make you walk differently. That word will have you. That's why Jesus said, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Another word for sanctify is cleanse or prune. We are pruned. Cleanse with the word of God. A gardener understands that once it has a sharp tool and it needs to cut away, take away, lift up, uproot. Here it is. It has to start with the dead overgrown branches. A gardener understands, and Jesus described himself, he said, I am the vine. He said, my father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Even he understood that there will be things in our life that will not bear fruit. Maybe it helped you for the seasons past. Maybe that coping mechanism helped you to overcome those battles in the past. But now the thing that helped you before has now become dead weight. Yes. And in 21, in order for you to bear fruit, in 21, in order for you to see the harvest, you've got to make a decision and say, I'm going to be led by the word of God. If there are excess things in my life that are not helping me, if there are excess things in my life that are just dead weight and dead branches that is just causing me to slow down, you've been slowing down for far too long because of the people, because of your speech, because of behavior, because of your connection, because of family and you've held yourself back for far too long you've got to make a decision and say the word of God is going to cut some things it's going to cut me but I know that it's going to help me I had a good friend that they had a garden and he needed assistance and he needed someone that was a professional to prune his garden. As I was studying this, that, 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 that memory came to mind because I'll never forget that when he told me that he had a professional come, a professional gardener come and start pruning in the garden. He started yelling at the gardener. He said, hey, you just gonna cut everything? You just going to take everything away? Yeah, yeah. And the gardener was come and say, what you think I'm taking away yeah. <sighs> will actually help for you to yield more fruit. Yeah. Here it is. Verse 4 through 8 says this. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I and you will bear much fruit. If you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. This is letting us know, people of God, that this year more than ever, we've got to abide. We've got to remain. We've got to stay close to a place called presence. He said, outside of that, you can do nothing. And you might say, I, 
well, I can do many things without you, Lord. I can get up in the morning by myself. I can get ready for work by myself. I can drive all by my, I don't need angels, divine intervention to do these things. I put my shoes on by myself, can get hop on social media all by, I don't need angels to touch my, to touch my, yeah, yeah. There are things that you can do by yourself and for yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. But I want to let you know, if you want to bear spiritual fruit, if you want to see the harvest in your life like never before, you cannot depend on self. You need to depend on presence. You cannot depend on your own understanding. You've got to lean and trust in presence. You cannot just depend on your own strength because there will be things that will cut you, boy, this year. And you will not be able to overcome. You will not be able to get past it unless you are in a place called presence. But for those that remain in the place called presence, you will find yourself having strength that you didn't think was possible. I prophesy over somebody that stays in the place of presence when calamity is taking place in the land. It, because you're in a place called presence, you will always see the fruitfulness of our God. Because you are in a place called presence when others are losing their mind you will always have peace of mind because your peace is coming from a place called presence I'm getting happy up in my chair I want to get up for a second when you're in a place called presence you will have joy unspeakable when you're in a place called presence you will overcome any battle that you ever face when you're in a I'm getting happy now when you're in a place called presence you will be able to rise and stand up against any mountain that comes your way when you're in a place called present any devil in hell that wants to come against you will not prosper because you're remaining in a place called present hey I try to calm down you know I do this all the time y'all may be seated we have the The purpose of fruit is not to simply look good. The purpose of fruit is to be enjoyed. The purpose of fruit is actually to be used. It's to be multiplied. I want to tell you people of God, your purpose is to be used to manifest the glory of God. Your purpose is not to simply say, I got it together. Look at my possessions. Look at these. It's wonderful to look good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But you were called for more. You were called for more than just looking good. You were called for more than just simply living satisfied that you got a few degrees on your wall. You were meant for more than simply saying, you know, here, look at what I have. Look at, look at my possessions. Look at, look, look at the flicks that I throw up on IG with the, with the, with the mean filters on them. You were, you were, someone say you were meant for more. The purpose of fruit is to be used, to serve a purpose, to, to bring life and to bring nourishment and to help, to be enjoyed. But you cannot produce fruit unless you stay in a place called presence. Can I tell you, when you remain in a place called presence, you can pray whatever you wish and it will be granted to you. 
Pastor, I've had many prayers gone unanswered. I'm letting you know. Once something is in the scripture, boy, you've got to pay attention to it. It says, whatever you ask, what you desire, it shall be done for you. But here it is. Answered prayer is a privilege of those who remain in a place called presence. Why are all our prayers answered? Because it is in presence. It is while we abide and remain in him that we become in tune with his heart. It is when we are in the place of presence and prayer that we become familiar and grow in his will. And when you are in a place abiding, remaining constantly in his presence, you will not even ask anything that will not please him. And the Lord promises to answer every prayer that is aligned with his heart. I prophesy in 21 that this year your prayers will be answered. I don't know if you get excited about it at home. I'm rejoicing for you. I'm going to go ahead and celebrate for you. That in 21, our prayers will be answered because here it is. Our prayers will be according to the will of the vine. When you are in a place of presence, you begin to discern and become familiar with the things that do not honor and please him. When you are in a place called presence, when you abide and remain in him, your heart is now sensitized. Now your heart is connected to the heart of God. And then when you pray prayers according to his heart, according to the place of presence, those are the prayers that he answers. We're in a time where we need to bear fruit, people of God. We are in a time where we need to remain in him and him remain in us. Things outside of context are bitter. They don't make sense. But when you remain in him, the pieces that were all out of place you will find the Lord Jesus bringing those pieces together for you to get the larger picture. The pain that we endure. You ever cooked or you ever baked something? You yourself know to not try ingredients on their own when they're raw because they're out of context. But it is when you put it it becomes useful. And I want to let you know that when you abide and remain in the Lord Jesus he can use the very thing that you, that you thought would never be used for any good. The, the parts of you that you thought were tarnished, no good, of no value, 
It was simply pain. It was simply trauma that you had to endure. I want to let somebody know that when you remain in him and you are rooted in him, he is mighty and he is able to take the things that did not make sense. He's able to take the pain that occurred here when you were this age and then what you went through when you were this age and when you were adolescent, you had to endure and face this trial and you said, God, why did I go through this in my childhood? Why did I face this battle? Why did I face this attack? I want to let you know that the very thing that cut you in life are the very things that God can use to help you the very thing that you thought was going to push you back is the very thing that God can use to catapult you I want to let somebody know that the pain that you have endured it is not going without context it is not simply suffering to suffer but my God will do something through your life in 21 can I tell you what he's going to do he's going to cause you to bear fruit he's going to cause you to be a voice to people he's going to cause you to be a blessing he's gonna cause you to witness to somebody he's gonna cause you to rise up in your family he's gonna cause you to bear fruit in the land of the living what you have endured the things that cut you are the very things that God can use. Why did I go through that separation? Why did I go through that divorce? Why did, I, why did my parents do this? Why did that church do that? Why did that pastor do that? And the very things. Why didn't people believe in me? Why didn't people see anything in me? And why? Why do I have to go through this? Nobody else is going through that. I'm the only one. The very thing that without context don't make sense. Hey, Joseph. That's why it was prophetically symbolic that he received a coat. The Bible says his father gave him a coat of many colors. He didn't want it to just be one color. It needed to be many colors. Because it is not one thing that makes all of who we are. But it's many seasons. Many painful moments. That make us who we are in God. Amen. You don't know the prayers that I've had to pray in the wilderness. The prayers I've had to pray in a valley. In the place of obscurity. Lord, is anybody there? Can anybody understand? But by abiding, I get the context. And when I look back, every valley led me to the mountain. Every low led me to the high. Every layer on my coat. Boy, there are things 
that when I went through them or when I felt like I was being tested, I'm like, why in the world, why am I in this scenario? <laughs> and then later in life, I'm able to use a lesson that I learned from then. Never thinking that I'll be able to use that, but God chooses to use those things. If you abide in me, I abide in you. You will bear much fruit. Without me, you could do nothing. Ask whatever. It will be done for you. It says, then you will prove or show that you are my disciples. By abiding in him. You will testify with your life that you are a disciple. Amen. By remaining in him. Because there are too many that are in the vine, but they're not properly rooted. And then when the storm comes and the wind comes and the cutting begins, it needs to be taken away. It needs to be lifted up. But when you abide in him, you bear fruit. And you witness to a world that is in need that we are his disciples.